Hello, this is Zach Driscoll welcoming you to the Real Men Podcast. This podcast is specifically designed to equip men of all ages. My dad's heart has always been to build up men to be strong followers of Jesus and future leaders for their families. We want to build men up, not beat men up. For more Bible-centered resources like this, visit realfaith.com slash realmen. Now get ready for this week's Real Men Talk from my dad, Pastor Mark. All righty, welcome to Real Men. So good to see you guys. How nice is it to get together with the boys? Amen? Little guys night out. And uh, thank you for joining us. If you're new, we're really honored and blessed to have you. And if you're watching online, we're glad to have you as well. So here's how it works. Our whole goal is to invest in you, to love you, to serve you, to help you, to put an arm around you, to encourage you, to build you up so that you can be the man that God intends for you to be. And that the women and children and the other people who follow your leadership or look up to you, that they find you to be a place of blessing and life and joy. And so I'm Pastor Mark, very honored to uh, teach. And uh, we're gonna be in uh, James, uh, do sermons on the weekend. And then we do a, a leadership talk here at Real Men for the guys. And then there'll be time to pray for one another around the table. So let me start by saying that uh, some of you, how many of you guys are right-handed? Right-handed guys, right-handed guys, okay. How many lefties? I got a son who's a lefty, lefty. Every one of us has got kind of a dominant hand and a subordinate hand. We got a strong hand and a weak hand. And, uh, and what's true relationally is the same. So. In our life, in your life as a man, you're gonna have professional relationships and personal relationships. And most guys, they're good at one or the other. They're good at one or the other. So you guys that are real strong in the professional relationships, we'll call you the right-handed guys. You're strong at work, you're good in business, you know how to make money, you know how to lead teams, you know how to execute, and then you come home, everything feels left-handed. Like there's emotions, somebody's crying, I'm supposed to listen, oh gosh. I, I miss the office, the performance reviews, and just firing people. Those were the good old days. Uh, you can't fire your kid, you can't fire your spouse, you gotta figure it out. You can't just give them a performance review. And if you were a guy who does give a performance review to your wife, oh, good luck, good luck. Sleep with one eye open, put a helmet and a cup on, you've got a short lifespan. Uh, and so what happens is some guys, you're the right-handed, you're really good with the professional relationships, you do really good at work. You did well in the military, you did well in sports, you, did, did, you do well on the job. Some of you are left-handed guys, you're good at the personal relationships. You're good with loving people, listening to people, your wife loves you, your kids love you, people come to you, you're warm, you're relational, uh, you tend to be a compassionate person, and then you struggle a lot more at work because you try to take all of these relational skills into your professional environment and they don't care about emotion, they don't care about love, they don't care about mercy, they care about winning and losing. And every man has certain strengths and weaknesses. Some of you guys are winning in the professional and struggling in the personal. Some of you guys are winning in the personal, struggling in the professional. We're here to learn from each other. The left-handed guys and the right-handed guys, the personal guys and the professional guys, we all need each other. It's like, okay, how do I win at work and win at home and in my relationships? Does that make sense? So around your tables, even as you get into your discussion time, it'd be good, are you more winning professionally or personally? Are you a guy who's stronger on the job or are you stronger in the relationship? And where we're gonna find ourselves in uh, James, we find Jesus' uh, brother talking to us primarily about the personal relationships. Uh, this is not a section of scripture that is primarily about your job 
though it certainly can apply to your job. But if somebody has a job, they need to do the job. If they don't do the job, they no longer have the job. It's not that way in personal relationships, especially with wife and kids. So here's, here's where we find ourselves. Uh, when men must choose between mercy and judgment, what he's talking about here is we all have these personal relationships and every personal relationship at some point, something happens. Conflict, division, failure, disagreement. And then you as a man, you've got a decision to make. Am I gonna put judgment on it or mercy on it? Okay, and we're not talking again about your professional relationships, we're talking about your personal relationships. Your wife, your friends, your kids, your grandkids, your buddies, your extended family. Somebody blows it. Somebody says or does what they shouldn't. They fail in their responsibilities. The question is, as a man, do you put judgment on it? Do you put mercy on it? What you put on it determines what the relationship will become. So he's in James chapter two, and uh, he says this in chapter one, chapter five, and then we're gonna focus, uh, excuse me, on verse 13. My brothers, so it couldn't be more applicable than to this room. This does mean brothers and sisters, but first and foremost, here's Jesus' brother helping us learn how to be brothers. Amen? That's even why we're here. My brothers, listen, my beloved brothers. He keeps hitting this theme. We're brothers. These are personal relationships. You're right. You can fire your boss, but you can't fire your brother. You got to figure out how to do life together. Judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Here's the big line. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In the personal relationships, when those issue situations hit, and just think of it right now, don't raise your hand, but like how many of you, you're like, yeah, right now in a personal relationship, there's a problem. My wife and I are having a hard time, kids having a hard time, friends having a hard time, extended family, there's a, there's a disagreement, there's a conflict, there's a failure, there's, there's a frustration, there's a rock in the shoe. And what he says is, judgment or mercy, you gotta figure out what you're gonna put on it. Let me deal with this. Five reasons, and I was just reading through James 1 and 2 leading up to James 2, 13, where mercy triumphs over judgment. And I was thinking about it, going through James, there really are five reasons men choose judgment over mercy. Number one, in a trial, and that's what he's talking about in James 1, you feel the pressure and frustration of other people's failures. Oftentimes a trial in your life is because some other people didn't do their job. They failed. They did not do what they were supposed to do. And now what they oftentimes say is stuff rolls downhill. Here's the truth, it rolls uphill. How many of you, if your kid didn't do their chore, uh, you're the one who has to deal with it. If your employee didn't do their job, you're the one who has to deal with it. Stuff doesn't roll downhill, it rolls uphill. Especially when there is failure, it rolls uphill. If you're in business or management or leadership, you know this. If they fail and then the person above them fails and the person above them fails, eventually it gets to your desk, it gets to your plate of responsibility. And when that happens, it's very frustrating as a man because I've got my own stuff to do and now you're giving me your stuff to do. I need to take care of my own responsibilities and now you are failing in your responsibilities and you are shifting your responsibilities and they're now my burdens. As a man, let me just tell you this, This is called life. If you're here and you're a man, you're like, everybody dumps on me and takes from me. Welcome to being a man. Your job description is to get abused every day and then stand before Jesus and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the job of a man. But what happens when we're in a trial and we're dealing with other people's failure or or their lack of success on our behalf, 
how do we feel about that? What are the, what are the emotions that come up in a man when a, you're feeling the squeeze of a hard situation, a trial, to quote James 1, and it's somebody else's failure. They didn't execute on their task. They didn't do their job. What are the things that we tend to feel as a man? Angry. Angry. Frustration. Frustration, which is a version of anger. What else? Fear, Fear disappointment, which are also versions of anger. <laughs> we, get, we get frustrated. And when we're frustrated and we're feeling it, how many of us as men, our first response is not mercy, but judgment. Even men will talk about, drop the hammer. And that's a judge hammering a gavel, rendering a verdict, that's judgment instead of mercy. In addition, I think another reason that men choose judgment over mercy, when offended in a trial, we just talked about it, I appreciate you guys being real honest, men default to anger. Okay? So it, for a lot of men, their emotional spectrum is this, angry and asleep. That's their emotional spectrum. As long as you're awake, there's someone or something that's super frustrating. And what he told us earlier in James, it's quoted here, he says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When the trial happens, when someone fails, you feel the squeeze of their failure, your emotional response is anger. And in addition, then when pressure, men are like, less likely to bridle their tongue. He told us this in James chapter one, verse 26. When you're in a trial and when you're angry, he says, you need to learn to bridle your tongue. Any of you guys, ranchers, any of you guys grow up horse riding, any of those guys, okay? How important is the bridle? What happens if you don't have a bridle? You got no control. You, you're not the driver, you're the passenger with the horse. What he's saying is this, that your tongue is always gonna wanna be the driver and you gotta put a saddle on it, you gotta put a bridle bit in it and you gotta hold on to the reins. That you need to be a man who controls, especially under a trial with anger, what comes out of your mouth. Because how many of us as men, and we're all guilty of this, you had a trial, you were frustrated, somebody else failed, and you got angry and you, you said some stuff that later on ruined the relationship. It just brutalized, wrecked the relationship. And the issue is this, there are issues and there are relationships. And when you're in a trial, when you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're disappointed, they didn't do their job, they failed. You've got to ask right now, what's more important, the relationship or the issue? If you don't bridle your tongue, the issue destroys the relationship. And the result is you're going to be judgment. You're going to be pronouncing judgment. You did this, you did this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you did this, you did this. Gavel, 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 gavel. Verdict, guilty, frustrated, disappointed. Now what you just won, you won the argument, but you lost the relationship. If you put mercy on it, it's not saying that what they did is okay, but it's saying that you're strengthening the relationship in hopes of, in a healthy way, maybe talking about the issue. For those of you guys that are, uh, your gun guys, firearm guys, you're in Arizona, and if not, it means you're just new to the valley, welcome. Um, in addition to a driver's license, you get a free gun. Welcome to Arizona. Um, for the, so when you're firing a higher caliber round, how, how much more important is it that there is integrity in the barrel? The higher the caliber, the chamber, uh, or the bullet, 
the more important integrity in the barrel is. There can't be any separation or division. What happens if you put a high velocity uh, chamber in, pull the trigger, but there's not integrity in the barrel, what happens? It literally blows up in your face. We do this all the time. There are certain issues, they're like high velocity rounds. But if we haven't built the barrel of the relationship, what we do, we just keep firing. We keep arguing, we keep disagreeing, we keep escalating, we, we keep judging, and it, it keeps what? Blowing up in our face. What he's talking about here is when there is something that is high pressure, it's something that does trigger emotion when their failure or shortcoming or lack of love or consideration or affection has really hurt you and or inconvenienced you, that's a high velocity round. And what he's saying is in that moment, if all you do is go to judgment, you're just loading it and pulling the trigger and you're unbridling your tongue. You're like, I'm just gonna, I'm going to fire and it blows up. And what he's saying is instead, put mercy on it. And what you're doing with mercy is you're not avoiding the issue, you're building the relationship, you're strengthening the barrel so that it can actually handle that round. How many of you, there are things maybe with your wife, maybe with your kids, maybe with friends, that issue comes up and as soon as it does, it just blows up. It is like, it, I get frustrated, I get angry, I say stuff I shouldn't, I fire the round, it just blows up in my face. And then what we tend to do as men, we tend to feel embarrassed or guilty or frustrated. And so what do we do? We withdraw. I'm just not gonna talk to them. I'm gonna go into the garage. Uh, I'm gonna go hunting, fishing. This is where men pick up a lot of hobbies. Hobbies are not necessarily sinful. What we're trying to do is avoid someone because when we're around them, that issue just blows up in our face. And what he's saying is when the issue comes, it's a trial, you're gonna feel the squeeze. Emotionally, you're gonna get angry and frustrated and agitated and disappointed and hurt. And now you're gonna to wanna to talk about it. As soon as you do, you've unbridled your tongue. Now you're absolutely not in charge of your life. And you've not built the relationship and you're gonna fire that round and it's just gonna blow up. How many of you right now feel like, I'm kind of reading your mail a little bit. Okay, you know why? This is my life. I've done this a ton with my wife, Grace. Gotten into these bad habits and loops. And my thought was in the moment when I'm frustrated, she needs to see, or someone if I'm frustrated with them, they need to see what they did wrong. They need to hear me out, right? They need, and what I was thinking was, they need to give me mercy. It's the weirdest ringtone, that was a... <laughs> I hope that's not your wife's call. Uh, <laughs> um, shouldn't have said that. Um, yeah, mercy, thank you very much. Back to our point, mercy. But what we're thinking in those moments is, I want you to give me mercy and I'm going to give you judgment expecting you to give me mercy. And what we did is we just broke the relationship. They're not gonna give mercy to you because you're not giving mercy to them. So then he continues, um, a man's judgment of someone is oftentimes true. He's talking in chapter two, verse 10 about somebody who did something wrong and it was really wrong. Now there are times that we rush to judgment, we wrongly connect data, we build a negative narrative, we globalize and blow everything up into a much bigger perspective. But sometimes it's just true. You didn't do your job. 
You weren't totally honest with me. You failed. You said this, but you did that. And it's accurate. How many of you are the justice guys? Oh yeah, okay. You're the guys, you're like, I like things in order. I like people to tell the truth. If you're gonna look me in the eye, you better follow through. If you're gonna give me your word, you better get her done, son. That's just the way we roll. And somebody fails and you're not even inaccurate. It's true. And you're frustrated about that. Now it's inconvenienced you. Now it's made your life harder. What do you do with that? Last one. Most men don't, I think, give much mercy because here's what I think. Most men don't get much mercy. Because where is a man's life largely lived? In the personal realm or the professional realm? In the professional. In the professional world, is there a lot of mercy? There's zero mercy. Going to the bank, yeah, sorry, kind of out of money. I'm sure he'd love to help. <laughs> I'm looking for the mercy department here at the bank. <laughs> they say, we, we don't have that. Right? We have the prison department, but we do not have the mercy department. If you walk into your job at work and your boss tells you, here's your job, and you're looking at it, you're like, I just can't do that. I, 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 don't, I don't think I can do that. You walk in your boss's office, you're like, I don't think I could do the job. Um, so what I'm asking for is mercy. What's the answer? No, I hired you to do the job. You either do the job or you lose the job. There's not the job plus mercy. There's just the job. And we're gonna judge your performance and we'll get somebody else who can do the job. Most of a man's life is lived in the professional realm, which is not the world of mercy. This is where guys will win at work and lose at home, right? They will win at work and lose at home because they'll understand how to judge others, be judged by others, not give mercy, not get mercy. They come home, question, does that work with your daughter? No, it just doesn't work because that's a personal relationship. That's not a professional relationship. And I believe one of the reasons that men tend to give judgment instead of mercy, because as men, we get a lot more judgment than we do mercy. This is not a world that gives mercy to men. Just by virtue of the fact that you're a man, the culture right now says that you are a problem. And if you're a heterosexual man, you're a next level problem. And if you're a heterosexual Christian man, well, you are the greatest problem. And there's just not a lot of mercy. God forbid you do something wrong, you say something wrong, you mess something up. It's just going to be a gavel coming down, you know, on your head, hammering you as guilty. There's no mercy for you. And some of you guys, you grew up with dads that were, they were not mercy dads. They were not mercy dads. I mean, heaven forbid you said or did something wrong, your dad was going to hammer you. Your dad, if you did something wrong, said something wrong, the last person you would go talk to is your dad because he's the judge. Criminals don't seek out judges, okay? And if you feel like I have failed, I'm not gonna go tell my dad, because why? He's gonna judge me, drop the gavel, hammer me, no mercy, no help for me. And so what guys tend to do, they tend to suffer in silence a lot, and you live in a professional world where there's no mercy. And then as a result, we do our personal relationships in the way that we've been treated and there's no mercy. We don't give it, we don't take it, and we don't share it. And this is particularly true with men. So one of the things we wanna talk about is, as men, when it happens, when the feces and fan interface, when you're super frustrated, when it's that moment, 
and you're just like, I want to put some judgment on it. Back up, put some mercy on it. This is not a professional relationship. This is a personal relationship. The goal is not just to win the argument, but to win the person. The goal is not to be the victor, uh, but to be in relationship. And so, so I was looking through it, uh, six reasons why God wants us as men in those moments in our personal relationships to choose mercy over judgment. God's mercy brings joy. So it's in chapter one, verse two, consider it all joy when you find yourself in trials of many kinds. Oftentimes the trials that we're in, we've contributed to them. We've said or done something that contributed to our pain. Oftentimes we not, there are things in our life as men, we're totally guilty for, it's all our fault. To quote Chris Stapleton, the great theologian, you know, I got nobody to blame but me. And then there are other times where it's almost like the dimmer switch for the lights where you're like, well, I was 10% at fault or 20% at fault or 50% at fault. And I, I did do and say some things or failed to say and do some things that could have helped the situation and I didn't do a good job. And in those moments, it's the mercy of God that brings our joy. Because we know that our father, God is your father, calls God father, I think twice in James one, when you've blown it, when you've failed, when you're in a trial, when you're in a hard situation, and maybe you've even caused it or contributed to it, you know that your father's answer to you is gonna be what? Judgment or mercy? Mercy. And that brings joy. One of the reasons you can count it all joy in the midst of the trial is your father is a father of mercy. You go to him, you're like, I'm struggling. I contributed to this, I made a mess. I, I don't know what to do. He's like, oh, I, I don't do judgment for you, son. I already judged the other son. Right? Jesus, your big brother, he was already judged. It would be wrong for God to judge Jesus and judge you. That would be double jeopardy. That would be punishing two people for the same crime. So you're not judged. He was judged and now you get mercy. He's there to forgive you. He's there to help you. He's there to help you get through it and to put mercy on you as you endure it. Another reason why God wants us to choose mercy over judgment is God's mercy brings wisdom. James 1, 5 through 8, he says, when you're in a trial, you're in a hard season, you're frustrated. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives abundantly without finding fault. What he's saying is if you're in it and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what decision to make. And let me just say this right now, there are men in this room that are right now having to make some major life decisions. Do I marry her or not marry her? Do we have a kid now or not have a kid now? Do we buy that house? What's the market gonna do not buy that house? Um, do we take that job, not take that job? Do I stay where I am or do I venture out on my own? Do I get a COVID shot so that I can keep my job? Do I not get my COVID shot and not only lose my job, but lose my career, right? As men and as head of households, which you are, you have to make a lot of decisions. And many of those decisions are not right and wrong, they're wisdom and folly, and you don't know what to do, true? Now, the good news is if you look up at your father and you're like, okay, your son's here, I don't know what to do. What he doesn't do is judgment. Well, you should know better. You're a man, figure it out. I taught you the lesson 20 years ago. Why don't you remind yourself? I wrote a book called the Bible. You should probably dust it off, check in there. I already talked about this. <laughs> Instead he gives mercy. Yeah, son, you do need some help. I'm your dad, 
I'm here to help. It gives joy and it gives wisdom to know that our Father is a Father of mercy. I'm so glad that I have a heavenly father who's a father of mercy. And it just, it's kind of, it's kind of amazing because almost every other religion, their view of God is that he is judge. Well, if you don't know Jesus, you will stand before God as judge. But if you do know Jesus, you'll stand before the throne of grace from the God of mercy. Another reason, uh, God's mercy brings steadfastness. Um, Steadfastness is consistency through hardship and trial. And the contrast or the contradiction of that in James 1 is unstable. You're in, you're out. You read your Bible, I can't find it. I love my wife, oh, she's cute. And you're flirting with somebody else. I'm gonna do a good job, boss, I promise. Oh, sorry, I slept in, please don't. There's this inconsistency and instability. And the difference between men who succeed and men who fail is oftentimes not their ability, but their steadfastness. You wanna be that guy that your boss can depend on. You wanna be that guy that your wife can depend on. You wanna be that guy that your kids can depend on. You're not unstable. You're like, I don't know what I'm gonna get today. Some days they're good, some days they're bad, some days they're helpful, some days they're harmful. It's totally inconsistent, steadfastness. One of the things that helps us as men be steadfast instead of unstable so that the people who are depending on us can depend on us is the mercy of the Father. There are gonna be days we blow it and God's mercy makes up the difference. There are gonna be days that we say and do some things that didn't help the situation and God's gonna put some mercy on it. And what God's mercy tends to be, it tends to be the thing that sustains and carries us and fills in all the gaps that we leave as men, especially in our relationships. In addition, God's mercy is quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. This is right out of James 1, 19 and 20. So when we go to talk to God in prayer, does he listen to us? That's a demonstration of his mercy. You think about it. I mean, as men, we're busy. A lot of you guys got little kids. And oftentimes the little kids, they don't have any sense of timing. They just wanna come up and talk to you about whatever is on their mind. You can be on a multi-million dollar real estate call trying to close a deal. Kid comes up, they're like, I need fishy crackers. You're like, look, man, get in line. Like I'm trying to get you more fishy crackers with this real estate deal. I need fishy crackers. The kid doesn't understand all that the father is dealing with. You are the children of God. He is our father. What's amazing is when we talk to him, even if, even if we're being a little selfish or immature or venting or verbal processing, what it says he is, God is quick to hear. He listens because he is a father of mercy. And he will speak to us, but it, it says you know, that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. That must mean that our father is quick to listen and slow to speak. That he's gonna let you get your words out. He's gonna let you verbal process. He's gonna let you work through your emotions. This is what we call prayer and worship. Just working it out with dad. And then he's gonna speak to you. And what that allows, knowing that our father, he is merciful to listen and he is merciful to speak. It then helps us when we're in those positions as men, that we can reflect the character of our father. Because sometimes you're like, I don't wanna freaking listen to you. 
I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear your side of the story. I don't want you to tell me all the details. I am frustrated with you and I'm sick of you. Mercy says, I'm going to listen. And mercy says, I'm going to speak, but not with an unbridled tongue, with a bridled tongue. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to him. And then when I say something, it's to put what on you? Judgment or mercy? Mercy. Mercy. Now, the reason why oftentimes as men, we don't put mercy on people, we think that it will enable them to do evil. I'm not talking about that. It will cause them not to mature. I'm not talking about that. It says in Romans 2 that the kindness of God leads to repentance, meaning the more mercy God puts on you, the more it changes you. How many of you, the person who kept punishing you in life was not the person that you were going to allow to change you? How many of you, the person who put mercy on your life, you would welcome them to be part of the change process in your life? Okay, a couple more. God's mercy puts a bridle on our tongue. We talked about that briefly. If God gives us mercy and we're frustrated by them and we're ready to just take the bit out of the mouth of our tongue and let the horse out of the proverbial barn, mercy says, you know what? That's not how my father speaks to me. How many of you are really glad that when we drive God nuts, and we all do, there's been days that the Father's in heaven going, oh, geez, that's my boy, right? He's been there with all of us. How many of us are really glad that the Father bridles his tongue and he puts mercy on us when he could eviscerate us? I think about this, just kind of verbal processing and think about it on the cross with Jesus. Did Jesus have a bridled tongue? Everybody on the cross is really, really, really putting the squeeze to Jesus, saying horrible things, false accusations, cursing him out, making fun of him. Isaiah says that like a lamb that is silent before her, the shearers rather, uh, didn't say a word. What could, if Jesus decided to do an unbridled tongue of judgment while he's being crucified, what could he have said about those who were present? I mean, he, he knew all of their sin. So he could have started there. Oh, does your wife know you're sleeping with her? Like he could have started there. He could have started with all of the shortcomings of their life and he could have dropped the gavel of judgment and he would have been totally truthful. He could have eviscerated everyone by just being truthful. And instead, what does he do? On the cross, Jesus bridles his tongue and he doesn't speak judgment, he speaks mercy. And for some of you guys, you're like, mercy's weak, judgment is strong. Let me tell you this, sometimes you gotta be extra strong to do mercy. And what the Bible calls that is meekness and that is strength under control. It means I could destroy you and instead I'm going to bless you. It means I could wreck you and instead I'm gonna heal you. So what does Jesus speak from the cross? Father, forgive them, okay? How many of you are really glad that Jesus bridled his trunk during his trial? He was obviously emotional, it's a difficult moment. Other people have sinned and failed him. He is now paying the price for all of their failure. And what he decides is he's gonna do mercy instead of judgment. 
Okay? Okay? How many of us, we love Jesus for that, amen? Okay? Okay? So we gotta do the same thing when we're hung on the cross. When we're hung on the cross, we wanna do judgment, not mercy. We wanna do unbridled tongue, not bridled tongue. The result is that we're treating others in a way that God hasn't treated us. And if we're God's men, then we have to reflect his character, not our frustration. And then the, I think it's the last one. God's mercy is not only for us, but it's for them through us. Um, this is the whole section in James chapter two that we just read that mercy triumphs over judgment. God, if you want to receive mercy, you need to know it's a gift, but not just for you. It's a gift for you, but it's a gift to share. So you take that mercy, your wife's driving you crazy, friend totally driving you nuts, kids got you on your last nerve, what do you gotta give them? Mercy, mercy. Very few men live this way. As a result, most men have really broken, painful, tragic personal relationships. Because you can't have intimacy, warmth, relationship and trust without what? Mercy. This is why people will pay money to go to a counselor and run from the law. Because they know there's mercy here, there's judgment there. The question is, when people in your life that you love, when they fail, when they sin, when they blow it, when they drive you nuts, are, are you gonna be the one who judges and condemns them or helps and heals them? That's the difference between judgment and mercy. And I just feel inclined in the spirit to say this for many of you men, there was a time, I can, I can even see it uh, in some of your lives. There was a time in your life, there was a moment, it was a pivotal moment in your life that some man in authority, probably a dad, a coach, a teacher, a pastor, you really needed them to put mercy on you. They put judgment on you and it, it broke you or it caused some bitterness in your heart or some jadedness in your soul. And this is a time of healing for you. The father is telling you, I got mercy for you, even if they didn't. And God wants that mercy that he pours out on you as his son to flow through you to others. If you don't do this, mercy triumphing over judgment, and it's like mercy and judgment in the heart and the soul of a man, they're just, they're always having a war. And as a man, you gotta figure out, is judgment gonna win or is mercy gonna win in my personal relationships? Um, if you don't do mercy, you can't do relationships. If you don't do mercy, you can't do marriage. If you don't do mercy, you can't do parenting and fatherhood. If you don't do mercy, you can't do friendship and brotherhood. You can't. Because those personal relationships, they are watered with mercy. And what'll happen is in your marriages and families, um, if you are the dad who is about judgment and not mercy, what you get is a factious family. What happens is something happens, 
dad opens court, renders verdict, chooses judgment over mercy, and the whole family divides into factions. Some of the kids are like, well, yeah, I'm with dad. Yeah, you blew that, you screwed that up. That was very, very wrong. Now, if dad is judgment, what does mom need to be? Mercy. The other kids are like, no, 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 that was too harsh. You shouldn't have done that. We should give him grace. We should pray for him. I thought we were Christians. We're supposed to love people. What happens in every family is oftentimes one of the parents is judgment, one of the parents is mercy. We call this good cop, bad cop. Okay, how many of you in your family? Judgment was dead. How many of you? Judgment was dead. And mom was? Mercy, she's trying to balance it out. How many of you? Mom was judgment. Sorry. That's what, like if your mom isn't nice, that's rough. So oftentimes if your mom is judgment, your dad is mercy. The way it works is that judgment and mercy are not against one another, they do work together. Judgment is this, what you did was wrong. What you said was wrong. What, what you did was damaging, it was horrifying, it's painful, it's frustrating. It's emotionally expensive, financially expensive. It's wrong, it should have never happened. Judgment comes first, and then what? Mercy. Because what mercy goes on is failure, sin, and shortcoming. So what judgment does, judgment defines the place that the mercy needs to be poured out on. And so as men, it's important for us to ask first and foremost, is this issue even something I need to address or talk about? Because the Bible says it's a glory to overlook an offense. Some things you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna let it go. You know, it's a long day, we're both tired. You're pregnant, I've got a little weight and water retention myself. You know, we're both feeling it, okay? <laughs> you know, kids are little teething, we're up all night. Like, you know what? It's, you know, hey, it's a glory to overlook an offense. You know what? I'm not even gonna bring this case to court. I'm just gonna let that one go. Other times God's like, don't try that in your court. I'll try that in my court. Let me talk to them. Let me deal with them. You just pray for them, love them, forgive them, put mercy and grace on it. And let, let your dad pick it up. Let your dad figure it out. Other times it really is painful. You really do need to have the conversation about it. So you're like, okay, let me just hold a little court here and uh, give you a little verdict. The Bible says that love does not keep a record of wrongs, but mercy and forgiveness mean that there is a record. It's just not kept. And so sometimes it is, okay, here's the record of wrong. Like this is what I'm hurt by or frustrated by or disappointed in, or you know, if I'm honest with you, like this is where I'm at. But then what mercy does is that mercy removes the record of wrongs because it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It makes a record of wrongs. And then what does it put on the record of wrong? Mercy. I forgive you. I'm never gonna bring it up again. I love you. I'm gonna let it go. I wanna build trust. I wanna figure it out. I wanna help. Let me pray for you. I care for you. I, you, you matter to me. The relationship is more important than the issue. Let me put some mercy on it. And what happens for most men, we do judgment and we don't put mercy on it. I'm asking you who in your life right now feels like you are the judge and they don't get mercy from you. 
And what does it look like for you to go to that wife, that friend, that kid, that grandkid, and just say, I'm so sorry. I, 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 was, a, I was good at holding court and hammering gavels and rendering verdicts and judging, but I didn't put mercy on it. And I want you to know this in closing. If you need to know that not only has God the Father judged your sin at the cross of Jesus, he did judge it. The Holy Spirit brings to mind a scripture. I'll close with this. It says in Colossians 2 that when Jesus went to the cross, there was a full record of your sin against God. It was a record of wrong. And it was nailed to the cross of Jesus because at that moment you were judged. And then it says, he took away that record. Love does no longer keep a record of wrong. It says in Colossians 2, like 13 through 15, that the record of your wrong was at the cross of Jesus. He was judged. God no longer keeps that record. Doesn't hold it against you. Because why? He's replaced it with mercy. You guys are forgiven. You're loved. You have a father who cares about you. He's there for you. His ears are open to hear your prayers. His wisdom is open to be shared with you. He's happy to help you bridle your tongue. And with the people that he has given you opportunity for deep, profound relationship, he wants in that moment to show up and say, son, I know you're feeling judgment. Let me teach you how to do mercy. And if you will do this, what I'm telling you is, you'll be a better Christian, you'll be a better husband, you'll be a better father, you'll be a better brother. And we love you, and we want good for you. And we just live in a world with plenty of angry, judging, lonely men. We'd like to have joyful, merciful, relational men. And I want that for your wives, and I want that for your kids, and I want that for your grandkids. Father, thank you for an opportunity to teach. Uh, Lord, kind of went a direction I wasn't expecting, but Holy Spirit, I hope it was the direction that you were preparing. And God, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Every day as men, we got to decide in our personal relationships, is mercy going to win or is judgment going to win? And Lord, I thank you that in our relationship with you, mercy won. And I pray that in our personal relationships, mercy would win. That wives would get a lot of mercy. The kids would get a lot of mercy. The grandkids would get a lot of mercy. The brothers would get a lot of mercy. The family and friends would get a lot of mercy. And God, I just pray that these men, they would be continually pouring out the Father's mercy and that others would be blessed around them in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the end of today's sermon. We hope today's word encourages you to be stronger men of Christ. If you live in Arizona, I invite you to attend Real Men. We meet every Wednesday night here at the Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. For more resources like this, visit realfaith.com. And remember, it's all about Jesus.